Maverick News presents The Rick Walker Show Defrag your mind Good evening everyone and welcome to a divided polarized world what a terrible, terrible place we are in today. And yet I think there's still hope. I'm trying to be optimistic. Elon Musk went to Auschwitz with Ben Shapiro. It was a, It's being portrayed through mainstream media as a low-key sort of private affair, but make no mistake, it is absolutely very high profile, receiving a lot of media attention. It is being done for a variety of reasons, partly because of the rise of anti-Semitism, also because Musk has been under so much scrutiny and fire for some posts that he has commented on, made himself accusations of him being anti-Semitic. So this is damage control by the CEO of some pretty big companies. And I mention that because this absolutely does threaten to have an impact on his business interests. So there's that aspect to it, to be sure. We'll show you what happened today with regard to that and comment on it. Um, that opens up a whole, <laughs> a whole bunch of doors that take us down a whole bunch of different avenues. And we'll see where that takes us tonight. Uh, I don't want to spend the entire program on it, but it, we have to mention it. We're going to mention it. We'll see where it goes. There are other stories related to what's going on in Gaza, uh, and what's happening with anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, uh, prejudice, racism, hatred, hate crime, censorship, blah, 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 all of that stuff. So we'll get into it tonight. Also, Pierre Polyev news conference will take you to that. And it's, it's going to be fiery what you're going to hear. Uh, they're going to hit all the major issues that are of concern to Canadians in this news conference from immigration to the Israel Hamas conflict to housing. I don't know what else to tell you. He's he, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that too. We got, uh, what else do we have? We have, Oh yeah, I will, we'll, I'll showcase this later. A new study saying that the government's COVID pandemic measures in Canada had a positive impact. That ought to set some, some hair on fire. Uh, Joe Biden going to bat for uh, abortion. Yeah, he had a big... Uh, a big conference today came out, you know, putting Roe Ro v. Wade back uh, front and center again uh, this afternoon. 
we'll go to a, a comment and a news conference with him. Also, police in Canada are convening a vehicle theft summit. That because the number of stolen cars is skyrocketing. From just a few years ago, in a, say a city like Ottawa, they only had less, they had like less than a hundred vehicles stolen. Now thousands. So we'll show you what's going on with that. Also, maybe, maybe you haven't seen, maybe you have seen that piano player. You know, the there's this guy who plays the piano in this shopping mall. I don't know a lot about him, but there's a video that is going viral because he was confronted by some members of the Chinese Communist Party. Um, and this piano player's name is uh, Brendan Kavanaugh. He is a British. So this, I believe, happened um, probably in London, England. I'm not sure exactly which city. But anyway, I've seen a lot of videos in this mall where people play the piano. This guy is one of the people who come along and does. He does this all the time. Anyway. The, uh, the CCP communists, they were like giving him a hard time saying, don't take my pictures. I don't think I can't, if they don't want to be on camera, just walk away. Anyway, we'll show you what happened there. Also, Nikki Haley under increasing pressure tonight to just drop out of the race for the White House. Just end it now. And just uh, let Donald Trump take the nomination. But will she? I don't think so. I think uh, I think the ballots will be cast tomorrow in New Hampshire. We'll bring you up to date on that. And what do you think? Should these candidates, should Donald Trump and Nikki Haley take an aptitude test? It's a relevant question. And it's... Top of mind for a lot of people tonight. I'll tell you why when we come back right after this. Fighting the Great Reset by leading the Great Great Resistance. Maverick News. The antivirus programs for your mind. Greetings, brave Mavericks. Our quest for truth continues. We go beyond fake news. Together we expose propaganda. Together we pull others out of rabbit holes. We are maverick thinkers. We are all unique individuals, individuals, defenders of individual rights and freedoms, credible, trusted, grounded in reality. Maverick News, Maverick News. Defending free speech, free speech. Donate. 
at freedomreporters.com. Do it now. Tomorrow may be too late. Maverick News. The world is watching. surprising turn of events, Elon Musk facing allegations of anti-Semitic content on X, formerly known as Twitter, made an unexpected visit to the Auschwitz death camp. He, uh, he went there with Ben Shapiro and, um, I guess this is happening or happened in uh, in advance of him attending a larger conference on anti-Semitism. So he toured the extermination camp, which of course was established by Nazi Germany during World War II and then went to this uh, conference on anti-Semitism, which was organized by the European Jewish Association in the nearby Polish city of Krakow. He admitted to having been what he says is naive about the extent of anti-Semitism until recently, saying that that is because most of his friends are Jewish and he has little contact with it in his own life. I can also tell you that I'm finding myself in kind of the same situation because I was never aware of the depth of anti-Jew, anti-Semitic uh, beliefs, prejudice. I'm not sure if it's because it was there before and people were hiding it or if it's because people are being triggered or reconditioned to respond through social media campaigns and propaganda. I am not sure. Or maybe it's a combination of both. I'm not, again, I'm not sure. 
either way, it's very evident now, and it is, uh, it's a problem, whether people care to acknowledge that or not. Prejudice of any kind is a problem, but this is becoming a pretty serious problem. Musk, during his visit today, defended his social media platform, X, as a place where freedom of speech flourishes, saying that a free exchange of ideas is something that ultimately helps to correct hatred, noting that the Nazis shut down freedom of press and information. So the billionaire has faced accusations from the Anti-Defamation League, a prominent Jewish rights, civil rights organization, and others of tolerating anti-Semitic messages on X, formerly known as Twitter. Of course, he bought that platform back in 2022. And he sparked an outcry in November, including from the White House, when he responded to, or on X, to a user who accused Jews of hating white people and professing indifference to anti-Semitism by posting, and uh, this was, these are not my words, he says, you have said the actual truth. We did report on that at the time. He later apologized for the comment, calling it the dumbest post he's ever done. Several big brands, including Disney and IBM, stopped advertising on Twitter, now known as X, last year after liberal advocacy group Media Matters said their ads were appearing alongside pro-Nazi content and white nationalist posts. X has since sued Media Matters, saying the Washington-based nonprofit manufactured the report to drive advertisers from the platform and destroy X Corporation. So Musk visited the Auschwitz-Birkenau site with his three-year-old son and others, including Shapiro and the founder and head of the European Jewish Association. The site near the town of Oswikim in southern Poland is fenced off with barbed wire, wooden barracks for the prisoners and the ruins of gas chambers endure as evidence of Nazi crimes. There is also a monument to the victims where Remembrance ceremonies are held yearly. So we have some clips here from Elon Musk tonight following his visit to Auschwitz. And, uh, you know, the numbers of uh, Jews who were exterminated by the Nazis is not always consistent. With some saying more than 1.1 million people were murdered by the Nazis at Auschwitz alone during World War II. Most of those who were killed were Jews, but the victims also included Poles, Soviet prisoners of war, and others. In all, about 6 million European Jews died during the Holocaust, according to most accounts. Again, that number might be a little higher or lower, depending on which version of history you look at. When the Soviets liberated Auschwitz, they found about 7,000 survivors. 
And Musk said today that if there had been social media at the time of World War II, the Holocaust, in his words, would have been impossible to hide and lives could have been saved. So that is an interesting take on the value of social media. Well, some people and uh, and yeah, somebody is messaging me just right now about uh, Peace Man. And yeah, I know he had a court date, and I did talk to him yesterday. So he is supposed to come back on the program tonight. I did send him a link, a video link in his email. If Peace Man is watching the program, just check your email. You will find the link and you can join the program to update us on what's going on with your court case. Back to the story at hand. Let me see if I can find you these clips here of uh, Elon Musk. A little slow on the... Uh, on the draw. Here we go, though. I've got them now. So first up, this is now this is Musk in conversation at the conference with Ben Shapiro. And here we go. First clip. I'm like Jewish by association. I'm aspirationally Jewish. So, no, I have like two thirds of my friends are Jewish. Okay. <laughs> I'm twice as many Jewish friends as non Jewish friends. I'm like Jewish by association. I'm aspirationally Jewish. Okay, so I don't know if you guys can even hear what he's saying. Very low audio for me. Let me know in the chat if you guys can hear that. We'll move on to the next clip and hopefully the audio is better, but somehow I suspect it will not be. I think this one's better. Okay, here we go. Next clip with Elon Musk. Following his visit to Auschwitz today. Here we are. Uh, yeah, I grew up around a lot of Jewish people. I went to Hebrew preschool, Rachel Spiro in South Africa. Um, I My name is very Jewish. <laughs> oh, for, I, I will tell you that for the past 10 years, people have assumed in my community that you're Jewish until I informed them otherwise. Yeah. Elon yeah. is a pretty Jewish name. He is super Jewish. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And then um, I went to Israel when I was 13, you know, I mean, you know, visited Masada. <laughs> I'm certainly checking the boxes on a lot of things. Um, and um, like I said, most of my friends are Jewish, just worked out that way. So um, sometimes I, 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 yeah, I guess maybe I forget, maybe, am I Jewish? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm Jewish. <laughs> Aspirationally Jewish. Uh, All right. So that was a little bit better audio for you folks. And, uh, and here's a little bit more from today's news conference and interview 
with a conversation, I would say, really more than an interview with Ben Shapiro. Uh, but that, that ideology that, that the Jews are out of 330 million Americans, tiny percentage of the population, uh, but that, that ideology that, that the Jews are an oppressor class matches up very nicely and very closely uh, with what is a conspiracy theory. At root, anti-Semitism is a conspiracy theory, and it's a conspiracy theory about power. And if you read Nazi literature, the Nazis literally promoted the idea that Jews were, of course, this small caste of people who were running all of the major industries, who were standing behind all world power. His, Hitler's suggestion is that it was world Jewry that stood behind Germany's loss in World War I, and then the Allies' unwillingness to make a deal with Germany prior to World War II. And you know that theory of power and group identity is really ugly, and we see echoes of it today. I mean, the, the diversity, equity, and inclusion ideology that basically suggests that all of society is a vast pyramid of group identity, and that at the very top are the people who are successful, and that those people are exploiting everybody else. And we can tell who's successful by their group identity, not by their level of success, by their group identity. Yes. That matches up incredibly. It syncs up almost a Venn diagram no, I mean, circle I, I, with anti-Semitism. Absolutely. The diversity and actually inclusion. We should always be always be wary of any name that sounds like it could come out of a George Orwell book. Okay. <laughs> That's never a good sign. Um, and uh, because it sounds like, sure, diversity, equity, inclusion, these all sound like nice words. But, but what, what it really means is discrimination on the basis of race, uh, sex, and um, sexual orientation, and, uh, and, and it's against merit. Um, and, and thus, I think, is fundamentally anti-Semitic. So, um, yeah. Um, you know, the... I, I think the, the, the whole, all of the sort of, the, the, all, all of the riots that were in the uh, major cities and college campuses, I think was uh, a shocking wake-up call to, um, I think, any, any, any sort of civilization or civil-minded person, really. Yeah. Quite so again, you know, it, I don't know what you think of Elon Musk. Uh, I'm not even sure what I think of Elon Musk, to be quite honest. Depends on the day and what he's doing. I have mixed feelings about him, I guess is what I'm saying. Mixed thoughts. But uh, today's visit was actually important because this is a public relations exercise and uh, the timing is important as well it's uh i don't know what this is here honestly i'm just going to run this i yeah, cold because it was just sent to me here but it, it's related to this. This is um, Musk and Shapiro at Auschwitz. Let's just uh, let's just let this roll. I, I want to see what it is. We'll find out what it is together. How about that? <laughs> המצא מנוחה נכונה, 
על כנפי השכינה, במעלות קדושים וטהורים, כזוהר הקיע מאירים ומזהירים, למי שמות שישה מיליוני אחינו בני ישראל. So, and then all you have to do is look at the reaction to Elon Musk going to Auschwitz to get a handle on how deep the emotions, the divide, the polarization, the prejudice runs. I'll just take a look. Here's a post reaction to it from somebody named Amelia. It says, this guy... This gives you an idea of how they control the whole world. Miserable. And uh, Musk saying here, quote, the indoctrination of hate into kids in Gaza has to stop. When I was in Israel, that was my top recommendation. I understand the need to invade Gaza. And unfortunately, some innocent people will die. There's no way around it. Hmm. Well, that ought to trigger a few people for sure. Again, like I say, day in, day out, I have mixed feelings and emotions about Elon Musk. He's not winning many friends, is he? Um <laughs> Depends on the day. Uh, so that was that is what was going on with Musk today. And then sort of related to that, sort of definitely related to this, And I, but I don't know if it's all in response to, you have people like Dennis Prager who are out there commenting on this rise of, I think, hatred really on both sides. And I, you know, I have to say, I really like Dennis Brigger. There's also this guy here. His name is uh, Loay Al-Sharif Rashifal. I'm not sure how to pronounce his name, but he is an influencer who is uh, pro-Palestinian, I guess. Um, it's not pro-Palestinian. He's, well, he's pushing the Abraham Accords, basically. Let me just cue this for you. Hang on. Get him queued up for you. Okay, I'm th these clips they they run in a circle and in a loop. And it's hard to cue them. So I'm just going to pull this up and hopefully we get, get into this at a moment in the clip where it makes sense. I will let it loop if we need to so you get the full and proper context of the short clip that has been edited together here. But uh, this is a guy that's, I think, worth listening to. It was knowledge based on their adversaries. The Muslim scholars who kept criticizing the Jews, they 
told us that they would be the authentic source to teach us about Judaism, and I found out that this is false. That you were taught that because of a handful of Jews who were mistreating Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, that means that I should hate Jacob or Yaakov in uh, New York or Micah in Washington or David in Manhattan. What does this have to do with uh, these individuals? So I remember that in school when you ask your teacher, why do we hate Jews? Oh, you know what they did to Prophet Moses? Oh, you know what they did to Prophet Muhammad? What does Micah have to do with this? What does David in New Jersey have to do with this? You know, and then of course you have the falsehood that says, "Oh, we don't hate Jews; we, we hate the Zionists." And I will come to that in the proper time. But of course, because we don't know much about the Jews, and I'm sorry, but all these people running around saying it's not that I'm I'm anti-Semitic, and I, not that I hate the Jews. It's just that I'm against Zionism, and I don't like the Zionists. That is so disingenuous. I'm sorry. That is just the politically correct way today of saying that it's the Jews. Okay. Uh, that's what it is. In fact, it's even in many ways worse because what you're saying when you say I'm against Zionism is that you're saying really that you are against Israel. You don't like the Jews and you don't like anybody who likes the Jews. And you really don't like capitalism. And by extension, you don't like America or Israel. That's what anti-Zionism is. That's what it is. You can define it in a variety of ways, but when it comes right down to it, the majority of people saying, just flapping their gums saying that, either don't know what the hell they're talking about and they're just re regurgitating what they're hearing or they're using Zionism to replace their references to Jews. That's what it is. You can, you can slice it up any other way you want, but it's the truth. Hang on. Now, Dennis Prager. You know, Prager, you, I like Dennis a lot. Very smart guy, very thoughtful. And I think he makes a very valid point here in this clip related to everything we're talking about. Gaza starts a war to kill as many Israelis as possible. And all you see on the BBC and Sky News, as we see in America on our TV, is dead Gazans. That's all you see. I shudder to think if in World War II, the same media covered World War II, you would have seen far more dead German civilians than dead British civilians. But it takes a very, very frail moral mind to believe that you determine right and wrong by the number of dead. That's what we are told. Look at how many Gazans were killed and how few Israelis. Well, look at how many, few, how few Brits were killed and how many more Germans were. Does that make the Germans right in World War II? That's, that's the facile moral thinking that pervades our world. Trying to make sense of the senseless. War is senseless. It is brutal. It's barbaric. Uh, 
it's insane. It shows how insane human beings really are when it comes right down to it. He makes a very, very valid point. And that is exactly right. That's what we're seeing in the mainstream media. Well, yeah, but, uh, you know, they, they forget all about what happened on October 7th. And then they just count the number of dead babies on the other side and say, well, the more died over here. It is not that simple. I wish it maybe were, but it isn't. It's more complicated than that. Pierre Polyev, I think, is going to address this in uh, in short order when we go over to Ottawa to pick up what he has to say. Um, but it's absolutely true. And he makes a very valid point about what would have happened in World War II if media had worked the way that it then that it works now. In fact, I have proof. Because even today, what I get people sending me this kind of stuff all the time. I guess folks think I don't know anything about history. I don't know. That's not really why it was sent to me today. It was sent to me in, in very good faith. But um, and for a variety of reasons, not for just one. That being said, one of the things sent to me today was another video. Just uh, a, a sort of a documentary style propaganda piece. Talking about the bombing of Germany by British forces and, and accompanied by allied pilots talking about the carpet bombing of Dresden, but taking it much further and talking about basically every bombing raid executed over Germany in World War II, portraying the Allied forces as very villainous, portraying the Germans honestly as the victims in a war that this video suggests is all because of the Jews, not because of the Germans, certainly not because of fascism or communism or any other political force in play at the time. But that's what this, this video is about. I'm going to show you just a little bit of it. And the thing is, it, it's, it's, it, there is truth in, in this, but there's also exaggeration, lack of context, skewed context, distortions, anti-Semitic tropes, outright lies. It's a combination of all those things. It is straight up propaganda. It's meant, it was produced and designed to generate <laughs> sympathy for the Nazis and the German people, okay, um, but really, and or maybe even more accurately, it's meant to undermine confidence in your beliefs, the history, your history, your heritage. It's meant to undermine confidence in your existing government because by extension, you will then blame your government or your, your government, your, your country is being accused of lying to you so that you no longer have confidence in it. 
And it's also designed and it's coming out right now because they want to connect the dot between 1945 and 2024. I'll just roll a little bit of this. The truth of the matter is, even though a lot of this stuff is not widely spoken of, it's not hidden, hasn't been hidden, certainly not since the 1980s when more documentation came out of Eastern Bloc countries after the fall of the Berlin Wall. More documentation came out, and a lot of this was available far earlier than that, some of it going back to the 1940s, a lot of it. In fact, I know of a documentary that was produced, but it did not actually air because it, it's, it's, it's damaging. It isn't clear what positive things come from it, other than it's important to know truth. But the point is, this information is available, was available, continues to be available. It's being portrayed in this video as though it's something brand new and it is not it's been out there for a long time but the idea is it was all secret no big secret like nobody knew about this yeah there was like massive bombing raids in world war ii on germany and lots and lots and lots of people died horrific inexcusable shouldn't have happened it's all been out there for a long time it was never a secret. It's just that people don't know their damn history. Here's what I'm talking about. It was the fourth bomb of this magnitude found in the city. A national crisis staff was employed. Evacuations of houses was mandated. Roads were blocked. The water navigation channels cleared. The railroad line rerouted. And even the airspace above was cleared. 15,000 people, three hospitals, and five old people's homes had to evacuate. More than 1,000 fire brigades, police, and relief organizations from the whole country supervised the procedure. 500 ambulances and supply vehicles stood by. Five workers from the bomb squad took about a half hour to make the two tons of heavy bombs from the Second World War harmless. In December 2011, another massive British bomb triggered the evacuation the of about half of the 107,000 residents of Koblenz before it was successfully diffused. Among those ordered to evacuate were seven nursing homes, two hospitals, and a prison with some 200 inmates. Yeah, let me pull this out of here. Here's more. Here's Stuttgart, more. Freiburg, Hamburg, Kassel, Magdeburg, Mannheim, Nuremberg, Worms, and many, many more. Again, this does not include the utter and complete devastation which occurred in the lost German lands. The most intense bombing destruction occurred in the months of February and March 1945, just weeks prior to German surrender, when German defenses were minimal or absent and the war was all but over. Over 80 million incendiary sticks were dropped on German cities by war's end. The human death count may never be known, but to this day continues inexplicably and unforgivably, to be intentionally lowered to an unbelievable and unrealistic level by whichever current... Mm -hmm. Whatever. Um, 
some truth in there. I watched most of that today after it being sent to me. Some truth, some outright lies. It's propaganda. You ask yourself why. You should ask yourself why. Why is that stuff being posted now? Why is it being promoted right now? With a swastika in the bottom corner of the video. So like, you better ask, start asking yourself, because I'm hearing a lot of this kind of talk in the chat, in the call-in show. I think, uh, I think, folks, the time has come. Are you a Nazi? Ask yourself. Look in the mirror and ask yourself if you're a Nazi. I've already answered that question for myself. Seems to be coming down to that. Listen to what you're saying. Listen to yourselves. And then think back to even the convoy when that guy showed up with that swastika on Parliament Hill and people were like, no, get the hell out of here. Yeah, I'm looking in the chat. I'm reading the chat. I'm going to go over here and read some of this chat. Yeah, I don't. Th here's the thing, folks. I don't think that people in our our family here. I don't think anybody here is a Nazi. But I do hear some pretty alarming things, and read some pretty alarming things in the in the chat. You're we're being subjected, have been subjected to several years of a of anti-semitism cloaked in a political narrative that has been a um, a regurgitation a reconstitution of the um, protocols of the elders of Zion which was the inspiration for Mein Kampf and also for the international Jew and many other things. And that's what you've been fed on a steady psychological drip for the past at least four years. It took me a while to figure out what it was, but that's exactly what it has been. And it has been, and I told you about six months ago that they were going to pivot the people choreographing this stuff. This is long before October 7th. I told you all sitting in this chair, I said, you need to be careful. Be careful what you're, you're watching. 
be aware of what I'm trying to share with you because they are going to pivot on their narrative and they're going to replace the word elite with Jew or Zionist. And that's exactly what's happened. And now people are just saying the quiet part right out loud now. And there have been certain social media influencers leading the charge on this. I won't name them again here tonight. I've named them before, some of them. And it goes on and it is escalating. And that is why tonight at the University of Wisconsin Whitewater, there's an investigation underway because at a dorm, there was a group of people who showed up wearing, I guess, red jackets or something. And they brought a projector and they projected a swastika onto the side of the dorm and lit some, not torches, but some flares on fire while chanting outside the dorm some racist things, I guess. Words, chanting racist words. Um, and I can show you the footage of what they did. And it's pretty bold. Pretty ballsy what they did, man. And I don't mean that in a good way at all. It's not good on any on any level, what I'm about to show you, what's been happening. Okay, here's the video. Here we go. We are Nice, eh? Yeah, dickheads. <laughs> who the hell, really, who the hell does that? We're in trouble. I never, never, ever thought I would see shit like that. Maybe, maybe in the U.S. in some places, but certainly not in Canada. And we've seen crap like that going on up here now, too. Think what you want, but uh, that's not me. So for all you guys who have been hammering me and by sending me hate mail, trying to push me to... Um, Adopt an anti-Jew stance. Not going to happen. You're just not going to get me. I'm not your guy.
Maverick News. The world is watching. Goes the other way, too. And as I've said, starting to feel pretty lonely over here. As people scurry this way or scurry that way, but that's okay. I don't care if I'm the last man standing. I'm going to be right here. Anybody wants to hang out, this is the place where I will be. Hopefully, uh, the numbers increase over time. Let's move on to other news of the day. There was a disruptive passenger who tried to open a plane door on a Toronto-bound flight. Police in the Peel region responded to uh, Toronto Pearson International Airport. This actually happened uh, late yesterday sometime. So they didn't even arrest this guy. They say that it was um, an elderly passenger who was having an episode of some kind. And they say the actions did not appear to be intentional. He was restrained by Air Canada employees during the flight. He was trying to open a door on the plane mid-flight. Don't know what to say about that. I don't want to. I don't want to start going down rabbit holes with it or anything, but it just does seem a little bit weird after we've just recently seen other incidents with aircraft, including that off-duty pilot who was flying in the cockpit after doing magic mushrooms, what a day or two beforehand, and then tried to shut the engines down inside the cockpit and they had to subdue the guy and land the plane and all that. Um, he'll probably never fly again. Too much weirdness going on. Maybe, I don't know. It's just crazy stuff. So Nikki Haley under increasing pressure to drop out of the GOP primary. Ron DeSantis, of course, exited the race Sunday. Haley's path to the nomination did not appear to improve, though. After that, has not improved much. And in fact, now that DeSantis has endorsed Donald Trump, there seems to be even further consolidation of support behind the former president. So that a lot of people are saying, come on, Nikki, throw in the towel. And I think if she were to do that, it would make Trump look even stronger heading into the election. So in all states besides New Hampshire, Trump leads by at least 30 points. Haley is even trailing Trump in the Granite State by about 15 points. That highlights Haley's bleak path to the GOP nomination. It's difficult 
for me to even see a path to any kind of a win at this point, because it looks like even the lawfare is, uh, is not working. It looks like Trump is even winning on that front uh, to have his name remain on the ballots in key places. So I don't know. Also, I should apologize for all my pen clicking. I think that might be a little annoying for people. It just, uh, it's just a thing that goes on when I'm just thinking. So I'll try to refrain from the pen clicking. Rush Limbaugh used to shuffle his papers. That could be my, my signature thing. Anything short of a victory or a narrow defeat would put pressure on her to drop out rather than face three weeks of punishing ads from the Trump campaign in her home state, blah, blah, blah. That from Lisa Lerner. Anyway, tonight, we're also seeing that Nikki Haley is resorting to strong arm tactics to remain alive to try and survive um, in what has turned into now what she really said she wanted all along, which is a head-to-head one-on-one battle between herself and Donald Trump. Now she, let me see if I can find this here. Yeah, she apparently has been using security and in some cases even off-duty police to restrict access to her events and shoo away any journalists, in particular independent journalists, that she doesn't want at her events, including Laura Loomer, who has been ejected from numerous Nikki Haley venues, including this one in New Hampshire. And of course, everything's going to go down tomorrow night, and that's when uh, we'll find out who, I guess, emerges victorious unless she drops out. But here's um, here's this. Because, because tonight, President Trump is having a rally, and there's a delegation of senators and the governor of uh, South Carolina from Nikki Haley's own home state is all coming to endorse President Trump. And so the question is, if these people know her best, right, the Republicans in her own state, if they know, they know her best, right? Why do you guys kick journalists out of your events? Please see, are you going to be trusted? Hey, uh, let's go. You're not welcome here. Why not? The owner of the property doesn't want you here. But leave. why do you guys have such a problem Please with journalists? Leave. Please leave. Have to go. Why do you think it's okay to tuck on my jacket? It's okay. Put, take your hands You've off me. Hey, no, that's assault. You don't get to put I'm, your hands on I'm me. I'm state police. You need to leave now. You've been told to leave. Leave well, the property. I know, but I'm a journalist. Why if is you it? don't leave after this next morning, I will take you into custody. We you love Nikki. Okay. We love Nikki. We love Nikki. We love Nikki. We love Nikki. All right. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I would let her in. But that's me.
And uh, also over on Fox, or maybe this is CNN, I'm not sure. Um, oh, no, that's this is a different clip. Trump has offered, I think, to take um, an aptitude test. <laughs> yeah, this is on Fox. This is a clip from Fox. He, uh, he said he'd take an aptitude test to compare the results with Nikki Haley's. God, he is he has a knack for coming up with media content that appeals to the common person, doesn't he? <laughs> I'll take an aptitude test. Here we go. Let's listen to this this clip. Can't wait. She she keeps bringing up your age lately. What do you say about that? Well, I think I'm a lot sharper than her. I would do this. I would sit down right now and take an aptitude test and it would be my result against her result. And she's not going to win. She's not going to even come close to winning. Uh, oh, she she keeps bringing up your. <laughs> and she, uh, she'd lose. I'd take an aptitude test and she'd lose. Well, she's not going to win. Not going to win. <laughs> Oh, do I have anything else from her? Yeah, whatever. She's not going to win. He's right. He's right. She's not going to win. She doesn't stand a chance. Not a chance. She should just, she should just pack it in. Save, uh, save her donors a whole crap load of money. I don't know what else to tell you. Well, here's another clip. Here is a clip of her. Let's give her a little air time, right? I mean, she's put in the effort. The least we can do is give her 15 seconds of a notoriety. Here she is. What's she just saying here? So when I was um, running for office the first time, I didn't know if I was a Republican or Democrat. Interestingly enough, I went to a women's leadership event at Furman University and Hillary Clinton was there. And she happened to say, for all the reasons people tell you not to do it, that's exactly the reason that you should. So <laughs> Hillary Clinton is actually the reason that I made the jump. And so then I had to figure out whether I was Republican or Democrats. <laughs> well, I don't know why that's funny. I'm Nikki Haley, and I approve this message. No, she didn't. <laughs> no, she didn't. She didn't approve that message. Anyway, that was kind of fun. All right. I'll be right back. Fighting the Great Reset by leading the great, great resistance. Maverick News. The antivirus programs for your mind.
Okay, so everybody wants Trudeau Gonzo. We saw the chant at that UFC event where the people were, the crowd was chanting F Trudeau. Even Joe Rogan commented on that. Canadian politics has never been nastier than it is right now. And now there's a new poll and it appears the upcoming Canadian election is being driven by a desire to prevent the, like, at least for liberals, it's to prevent the reason they're voting the way they're voting, voting for Trudeau is to prevent the conservatives from winning rather than to get Trudeau reelected. So this is kind of a strange inverted polling question according to the Angus Reid Institute's online survey, which was conducted between January 16th and 17th. So it is very fresh. Most Canadians planning to vote for the Liberal Party are motivated to stop the Conservatives from winning rather than endorsing the party's vision and leader, Justin Trudeau. Conversely, the opposite trend is observed among Conservative supporters, the nonprofit institute surveyed 1,620 Canadian adults, and the margin of error is plus or minus 2%, 19 times out of 20, so they say. Notably, the survey was self-commissioned and funded by the Institute. And according to the Angus Reid report, despite widespread distaste for Trudeau, it doesn't seem the primary motivating factor for those intending to vote for the Conservative Party. Instead, three in five Conservative supporters, 62%, expressed that they are more likely to vote because they support Pierre Polyev and the Conservative Party of Canada's vision, constituting a quarter of the electorate overall. That's pretty significant in terms of election strategy and the political atmosphere, because I can tell you that in an environment like this, it is that the, the odds are in favor of the opposition because generally speaking, they don't need to even offer a full plan. It's, uh, it's just a lot easier to sit and criticize if you don't have a full track record to defend. And that is the position Pierre Polyev is generally in. However, however, he has been, along with his party members, pretty forthright about where he stands on issues. In fact, I would say he is has been even clearer about where he stands on issues than the current liberal government under Justin Trudeau, propped up by Jagmeet Singh and the New Democratic Party of Canada. So let's go to Ottawa and pick this up with Pierre Polyev. News conference. On the front of his podium, you'll see a sign that says Axe the Tax because his campaign is focused so much on taxation and the economy, but they're going to, they're going to ask him and he's going to address a wide range of issues in, in this news conference, one after another. And you'll see 
that he is not shying away from these issues and he is not being shy about taking a stance, like a firm stance on all of these topics. So let's pick up Pierre. Thank you very much. Before I get started, I want to talk about the terrible existential crisis to the entire universe, which of course is pizza ovens. I know that uh, Prime Minister Trudeau and his federal agency have launched an outright crusade against pizza ovens. They are, they started in Montreal, but we know that they will get out here to Vancouver. So Vancouverites who are locked in their homes and terrified of pizza ovens uh, should be at ease that Justin Trudeau will come to your rescue. Don't worry about your 100% uh, rent increase or the fact that you can't feed yourself. Justin Trudeau is spending your money going after pizza ovens here and everywhere, and he will not stop until this crisis is resolved. But he's in a retreat today in more than one way. Yes, there's the expensive retreat of liberal ministers who are coming together to pat themselves on the back and spend your money on luxury for themselves. No, it's not just that he's back from vacation, having spent $86,000 of other people's money on himself. He's in retreat in another way. He's retreating on everything he has done over the last eight years, right? After eight years of Trudeau, life costs more, work doesn't pay, housing costs have doubled, crime, chaos, drugs, and disorder are common in our streets, and he divides to distract from all that he has broken. Justin Trudeau is not worth the cost. And now he wants you to know he's a changed man. He's not the same Justin Trudeau of the last eight years. He's going to be completely different. He's in retreat. After two years of me warning about the inflation crisis, his deficits and money printing were causing, he admits that things cost too much. After me warning that his massive carbon tax would drive millions of people to food banks, he now gives a pause and retreats on that as well. After my warnings, that him giving money, billions of dollars, to incompetent local bureaucracies and mayors to block housing construction, that we would have a crisis. He admits that the crisis is real and claims that he's changed his approach and mind on that as well. After my warnings that if you let out repeat violent and property criminals again and again on early bail and parole and have weak borders, that we would lose cars just to theft, he now admits that that is a problem too and he's going to hold a big summit to talk about it. And after he spent eight years ruining our immigration system, a system that was the best in the world, a system that brought my brilliant and beautiful wife here, he now admits that he screwed that up too, and he is retreating on that by cutting back by over 150,000, the number of international students. This is a problem of his own making, his own incompetent incompetent and incompetent minister, Sean Frazier, was the one that allowed the program to, to grow, in the words of another liberal minister, out of control. So you have 16 people crammed into basements in Brampton. You have housing costs rising faster than at any time in Canadian history and anywhere else in the world. You have what the Liberals now admit were fake and phony colleges for which Liberals were the ones that issued the study permits. Now they tell you they've changed their mind. Justin Trudeau is a new man. 
He admits now that he was wrong on inflation, housing, immigration, and crime. He wants you to forget the last eight years and elect him as a brand new man. We don't need the Prime Minister to change. We need to change the Prime Minister. We need a common-sense Conservative Prime Minister who will axe the tax to bring home lower prices, cap spending and cut waste to balance the budget, bringing down inflation and interest rates, lower income taxes so people bring home more powerful paychecks and hard work pays off, that we link federal infrastructure dollars for each city to the number of homes they allow to get built so that we reward those who get out of the way and let builders build and penalize those that block new construction. We need to sell off 6,000 federal buildings and thousands of acres of federal land to build, build, build. We want those homes to be in safe neighborhoods. So we need jail and not bail, jail and not bail, jail and not bail for repeat violent offenders and other criminals who have terrorized our streets. We need treatment, not decriminalized crack and heroin to bring order and safety to our communities. And we need a prime minister that puts the people ahead of the government. That is the common sense of the common people united for our common home. Now, let's bring it home. Thanks so much. We'll now take a few questions from the floor. Pizza ovens told you about them two days ago. This question might not be the easiest for they a have to report your answer. carbon output. News, and I'm Drea Humphrey. Thanks for having me. Thank you. In 2021, the Tecumseh Tate Schwetmick First Nation Band government said that they found the remains of 215 children who were former students of the former Kamloops Indian Residential School. The reality is that to date, not a single body has been discovered. The band government itself has revised the wording of their claim to say that it's 200 probable graves, no mention of specific children anymore. And the only way to know what's actually beneath the soil would be to excavate, which the band government has not done in two and a half years to date. Meanwhile, in Canada, 96 churches have been burnt or vandalized across the country since that initial claim was made. Many of the fires are proven arsons, and the vandals often leave messages that tie to the initial 215 kids' claim buried in unmarked graves. My question is, why, just like the leftist media, the NDP, the Liberal government, are the Conservatives also so quiet about this truth and good news which is that to date 215 children's remains have not been discovered there. When that truth coming from political leaders could potentially help set free Christian Canadians from attacks on their places of worship. Thank you for your question. I would disentangle two parts because there is no justification for burning down a church, period. Uh, regardless of the other information or uh, regardless of the other justifications that people would claim to, to use, there is never a justification to burn down a church. And we as conservatives have called for stronger criminal sanctions for arson against all who carry out these attacks. We've also called for more security infrastructure around places of worship so that we can stop terrorists who burn down churches, who attack mosques and synagogues. Unfortunately, these crimes against religious communities have raged out of control after eight years of Justin Trudeau's catch-and-release system, after he has divided our country and turned people and groups against each other. We have more violence directed against religious uh, groups, including Christians, 
uh, than we have ever seen in Canadian history. This is the result of Justin Trudeau. He is not worth the cost, he is not worth the crime, and he is not worth the country that we know and love. And we should provide the resources to allow for full investigation into uh, the uh, potential remains at, at uh, residential schools. Uh, Canadians uh, deserve to know the truth, and uh, Conservatives will always stand in favour of historical accuracy. Uh, none of this changes the fact that the residential schools were an appalling uh, abuse of power by the state and by the, the, the church at the time. Uh, and we need to move forward in a country that is free so that every single Canadian, uh, whether their ancestry goes back tens of thousands of years or whether they have been here for 10 days, uh, has the freedom to live their life and, and in prosperity and uh, happiness. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and come back to this in just a moment. Greetings, brave mavericks. Our quest for truth continues. We go beyond fake news. Together we expose propaganda. Together we pull others out of rabbit holes. We are maverick thinkers. We are all unique individuals, individuals, defenders of individual rights and freedoms, credible, trusted, grounded in reality. Maverick News, Maverick News. Defending free speech, free speech, speech. Donate at freedomreporters.com. Do it now. Tomorrow, maybe too late. Too late. Too late. Too late. Maverick News. The world is watching. told you about those pizza ovens like two nights ago justin trudeau is imposing these new regulations on pizza parlors they have to start reporting their carbon emissions from their wood-fired pizza ovens pierre polyev <laughs> with a clever choice of words and the portrayal of this new government red tape that pizza parlors will have to deal with characterizing it as fear of pizza ovens and it's not <laughs> not off base at all that's exactly what's going on here it's ridiculous let's go back to the news conference with uh, pierre polyev leader of the conservative party of canada um, again he's hammering on all these issues and pick up on what he was saying about those residential schools that were originally cast as mass graves. I think Jagmeet Singh from the NDP was the first to use that phrase. And now it's not even clear if they are graves at all with the First Nations communities there. Um, in some cases now revising the wording to say potential. Here we go. And going back now. Thank you. Next question. Here we go. 
Hi, Georgie Smythe, CBC News. Do you believe it's the right move for the federal government to cap the number of international students arriving in Canada for the next two years? And would you do the same? I'm looking for an answer in English and French, please. Can we reduce it by 35%? Yes. The libs are. Uh, the question is, how do we get into this mess? We didn't, you know, most Canadians didn't even know there was an international student program eight years ago because it was so peaceful. They, they might have seen students happily walking off to class who were from another country, but we didn't think it was a problem because it wasn't. It worked. We had the most successful immigration system in the history of the world. Here now we can't Canada. handle the there influx too many. around the world that come to study how we got it so right for so long. And along came Justin Trudeau. And through his total incompetence and irresponsibility, through his endless and nauseating virtue signaling, has destroyed that common sense consensus on immigration. Immigrants, international students, and temporary foreign workers are not to blame for his incompetence. He is to blame. He is the one that caused this mess. He is the one that brought hundreds of thousands of people here without homes to cram 16 or 17 into a one-bedroom or, or basement apartment. He is the one that granted the work for per, the study permits. That is a federally responsibility. He and Sean Fraser granted the study permits for tens of thousands of students to come and go to fake colleges that the Liberal government now admits are, were, quote, puppy mills. He did that. So let's not blame the students. Let's not blame other levels of government. Let's blame the one man who is responsible for this disaster. And that is our incompetent prime minister. Can you think of anything he hasn't screwed up? <laughs> like, seriously, it has been, we never had 2 million people at a food bank. Sure, we always That's had right. people who struggled. 2 million people at a food bank. Never before. We never had a 100% increase in housing costs in eight years. We never had middle-class carpenters living in parking lots. Yep. We never had 30 homeless encampments in Halifax yep. all at once. And we never had the division and the chaos in our immigration system before Justin Trudeau, which proves once again he is not worth the cost. He is not worth the country we know and love. French. Okay, hang on, we'll, uh, we'll let him do the French thing, and we'll come back on the other side and rejoin in English. We are Mavericks. We say no to the Trudeau and Biden New World Order. And to Bugs. Because bugs are creepy and gross. And people should not eat bugs. Maverick News. The world is watching. Okay, getting into some CISA stuff from British Columbia now. We're going to get into the Israeli-Hamas thing, I think, on the agenda here in just a moment. Reaction you had when those allegations came out publicly, and I'm wondering what a conservative government would do 
to improve the working conditions at places like CSIS, at places like the RCMP and the military that have been rocked by these scandals in the years past. It starts at the top. Justin Trudeau has created a toxic environment right across this country. Remember, it was Justin Trudeau that elbowed a woman in, in the breast on the floor of the House of Commons that tried to grab a, a fellow MP by the arm and drag him down the aisle because he wasn't happy at the pace of a vote uh, happening. It was Justin Trudeau that fired the first Indigenous Attorney General, a proud woman. Why? Because she exposed that he was trying to get her to drop charges on a corrupt, liberal-linked, multinational corporation that had robbed over a million dollars from the poorest people in Africa. And what did he do? I know, and it starts at the top. And I know, I know. Look, CBC never wants Justin Trudeau, the big boss, to be held accountable for his conduct. Same thing. Your Canadian press, see, at an RO, your biggest client is CBC, right? You're not sure. I'm, I think you're sure. I think you are sure. And I think you know that Justin Trudeau is the head of the government and CSIS is part of the government. So I know every time CCP writes a story about the latest screw up in our country, they forget to mention who's the prime minister, right? So here's the reality. Justin Trudeau is the head of the government. CSIS is part of the government. If there's a toxic culture in CSIS, it's because the head of the government has caused that toxic culture. And he's done it by setting the example, by mistreating women in his cabinet, in the parliament, in the public service, by dividing one group of Canadians against another, and turning, turning the people against each other within the government and within our society. And that's why after eight years of Trudeau, there's a toxic workplace at CSIS. There's toxic divisions right across our country. What we need is a common sense government that will hold, abuse account, hold abusers accountable for how they mistreat uh, fellow employees and bring in a professional workplace, which we always had in Canada's public service before Justin Trudeau. Our, by the way, I find it incredible that CSIS officials have been leaking about foreign interference in our politics, probably because Justin Trudeau has tried to manipulate the intelligence and cover it up. And that could be contributing to the toxic workplace environment that exists at CSIS and, and the similar stories we've seen at the RCMP and across the government after eight years of Justin Trudeau. Thank, thank you. Thank you. We're just gonna move on to, the, to this question. The next question here. Hi, CBC again. Um, Melanie Jolie said this morning her statement is her statement and wouldn't elaborate further on whether what's happening in Gaza is a genocide. How adequate is that in terms of clarifying Canada's position? English and French as well, please. Which position? She did not elaborate further. That's all I can give you, I'm afraid. Well, I just, I have to figure out which position I'm to comment on because Justin Trudeau has many different positions on the question uh, that you raised. Um, what he's done is very cynical. He's divided the country again. So he's, he gets a block of MPs to go out to mosques and say that Israel has committed a genocide. And then he gets another group of liberal MPs to go to synagogues and say that it's totally outrageous to suggest that Israel has created, committed a genocide. And he then he, he sits in the middle of the two and gives incomprehensible statements. Uh, you would need you would need a, a linguist with a PhD and a magnifying glass to figure out the garble that comes out of the foreign minister and the prime minister on this question, because they're deliberately in, uh, giving answers that no one can comprehend. 
He's divided the country on this, just like every other issue. The reality is there is a genocide being carried out by Hamas. I don't have to accuse Hamas of committing genocide. They admit it. They proudly brag about it. It's in their charter. They have announced that as soon as the conflict ends, if they're still in power, they will relaunch another October 7th style attack with the purpose of eliminating all Jews from the Middle East. And they frankly would love to, to eliminate Jews from the rest of the world. Th this is a genocidal, homicidal, sadistic death cult. And everything I have just said are things that Hamas admits to. So it's time for the prime minister to grow a backbone, stop trying to divide Canadians based on religion and ethnicity, and take a principled stand in favor of humanity and against the real, the real propagators of genocide, who are the Hamas terrorists. Get in French if possible. And with that, I think we've covered the most important stuff. So we'll move on and not mincing words. Pretty clear where he stands on all those issues. And the most delicate issues being the residential school potential grave sites and the Israel-Gaza war. Not afraid. And that those are the those are the two hot button issues for sure. Again, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we will go to Washington. Uh, for uh, I think it's Washington. Yeah, I think with Joe Biden. They had a conference on abortion rights today. Stay with me. tell you we um are gonna go to the white house here in just a moment if you are inclined to support the show we could certainly use your help um you can donate at freedomreporters.com you can also donate at maverickdonations.com and you can provide support through the rumble rants which works like the super chats, but we're demonetized on YouTube because they don't like us and they throttle us over there and Facebook, not really any better. In fact, even worse in some, some respects when I'm not even running on Facebook right now, but we are on YouTube, Twitter, X, Twitch, Odyssey, Rumble, 
two channels. Wimkin. Although the Wimkin thing, I don't know. It the, the live thing doesn't always work properly, and it has cut out. I see after a short time this evening. So I don't know. They need to address that better. We're also able to run on Instagram, but I'm inclined to not even try to build an audience there because it's a Facebook owned, it's a meta product and they'll just ban us after we build up some sort of an audience. So whatever, please consider subscribing over on uh, Rumble. That's where we need to go. And we are building there on, on the two channels. The link to the channel is in the description, even on uh, the YouTube channel. Like, share, subscribe, Share, share, share. Get it all out there and subscribe on YouTube as well. We're on two channels over on YouTube tonight. So appreciate that as well. And you can donate at uh, maverickdonations.com. That's the give, send, go. Or at freedomreporters.com. We also still have these um, Maverick News shirts. Some of these went out today. A few. You know, we're not going to retire or anything. We're just trying to pay the bills. And these are really nice, embroidered, quite nice. And uh, we still have these in stock. So any donation of $60 or more, add your address, tell me what size you need, and I will send you one of these, uh, these shirts. I was surprised, actually. I stowed this the other night by accident. I have some of these made as well with our car show logo on them, the SST logo for my automotive show that I do. And a few people wanted these. So same deal. If you want some of these or one of these, $60 or more, and I will send you one of these. These are really nice because the embroidery is done in a, a, a silver metallic thread. So it actually sparkles and it's, it's quite nice. So these are Dickies shirts. They'll wear like a pig's nose, but I love them and uh, they're super comfortable. So where was I here? Oh, yeah, we were going to go to the White House here, and we will for just a moment. And then we're after Joe Biden, we're going we're gonna to bring Dana Lee Peaceman on, as promised last night. He's going to join us. So let's go to Joe Biden right now, though. He's convened this task force on reproductive health care rights to mark the 51st anniversary of Roe v. Wade, and here's what he had to say tonight. I'm sure there's others like it. Many doctors across America have had to contemplate. 51 years ago today, in Roe v. Wade, the Supreme Court recognized the woman's constitutional right to choose. Constitutional right to choose. The right to make a deeply personal decision with her doctor, free from the interference of politicians. I believe Roe v. Wade was right. I'm not supporting, we didn't, they didn't support abortion on demand. It was Roe v. Wade. Roe v. Wade was the decision. And a majority of Americans agreed. But then a year and a half ago, this, this Supreme Court, this Supreme Court, made an extreme decision overturning Roe with their Dobbs decision to rip away a constitutional right from the American people, which had never been done before. A fundamental right ripped away, important to so many Americans a right that is vital to a country founded on the idea of freedom. I said on that, day, on that day that Roe was overturned. The health and lives of women in this nation would now be at risk. 
And that has unfortunately proven to be true. They've been at risk. It made them at risk, put them at risk. Today, in 2024, in America, women are turned away from emergency rooms, forced to travel hundreds of miles to get basic health care in another state that may have a different rule, forced to go to court to plead for help. Thanks to the mothers of two in Texas, a mother of two in Texas who was pregnant with her third child, from her doctor, she received the news that no one wants to hear. The life of the child and her own life were at risk if she continued her pregnancy. But instead of being able to receive care from her doctor, she was blocked by the state of Texas Attorney General and the state Supreme Court. Think about that. As she and her family were going through the frightening, heartbreaking ordeal, she had to fight extreme politicians in the court. They turned a deeply private and painful matter into a public matter. She ultimately had to leave the state to get the help she needed to protect herself and her ability to have more children in the future. The cruelty is astounding. An affront to a woman's dignity being told by extreme politicians to wait to get sicker and sicker to the point where her life may be in danger before you can get the care you need. That cruel reality is a result of extreme Republicans who for years have made it their mission to end the Roe v. Wade decision. Since Roe was overturned in 21 states, abortion bans are now in effect, many with no exception for rape or incest. We have doctors, we have doctors with us today who are on the front lines of this crisis. And they can attest to the consequences that these extreme laws are having on doctors and on their ability to care for their patients. Some doctors are feeling they're fleeing their home states because of laws that would send them to prison for providing evidence-based health care. In states like Texas, doctors can get a life sentence, a life sentence for providing the care they were trained to provide. It's outrageous. It's simply outrageous. And frankly, this is just the beginning. My congressional Republican friends are going even further. Further extremes undermine a woman's right to threaten and threatening the lives of women. Three different Republican members in the United States Congress have proposed three different additional national bans to criminalize health care in every state. Let me tell you what they are. One is zero-week ban with absolutely no exceptions. A zero-week ban with absolutely no exceptions. The second is a six-week ban. The penalty for violating it is jail. The third is a 15-week ban. The penalty is a five-year prison sentence. That means even if you live in a state where the extremist Republicans are not running the show, your right to choose, your right to privacy would still be at risk if this law was passed, any of these were passed nationally. And the extreme right is trying to limit all women in America. Okay. So the Supreme Court overturned it because it's not a constitutional right that's misleading that's not the way that it's not a right in the way that free speech is a right um it just isn't it's not written into the constitution they didn't write abortion as a right in the u.s constitution it's not it is not in any event um 
it does come down to laws. And uh, I'll tell you this, heading into the election, the, the continued use of word like extremist or extremism, extreme Republicans, extreme politicians you know, using that kind of rhetoric, it's dangerous. It's divisive. It's just designed to do that. It's designed to drive a wedge in between people and shore up support within his base. That's dangerous politics is what it is because there's nothing conciliatory about it, not even an inkling of conciliation or uh, you know, any desire to work with anybody with alternative or other political views. People spewing stuff like that, Biden spewing that kind of stuff, that to me, his rhetoric he is actually extremist in itself. That's my take on it anyway. And that's why the United States heading into this election feels like it might even be on the verge of some sort of civil war. Don't go away. When we come back, Dana Lee Melfi, peace man, will join us and tell us what happened with his be the beginning of his trial today in Ottawa. Greetings, brave mavericks. Our quest for truth continues. We go beyond fake news. Together we expose propaganda. Together we pull others out of rabbit holes. We are maverick thinkers. We are all unique individuals, individuals, defenders of individual rights and freedoms, credible, trusted, grounded in reality. Maverick News, Maverick News. Defending free speech, free speech, speech. Donate at freedomreporters.com. Do it now. Tomorrow may be too late. Too late. Too late. Too late. Maverick News. The world is watching. Okay, let's bring Peace Man in right now. I hope he's listening and notices that I'm bringing him in. He's there. Hello, Dana. Earth to Peace Man. This is the mothership over. Your microphone is muted. You have to unmute your mic. There we go. There, there we are. How are you tonight, my friend? Um, I'm a little tired, uh, so excuse me a bit on that. Uh, just put a little peace sign in your chat there, so that's what you caught me doing. <laughs> no problem. So before we get started, um, did are there any publication bans still in place on your case, or have they been lifted now that the trial has commenced? Anything that has been brought up so far, I can speak of because it's now public knowledge. So that's what we're going to discuss today on what happened today. Okay. And this is a little bit unusual because I wasn't there. So I'm sort of relying on you to just give your own account um, for us, uh, you know, in terms of what did happen in court today. But let's just back up a bit for people who maybe aren't familiar with your case and explain what it is that you were charged with. First of all, why are you in court? Well, um, 
uh, the little two minute story is uh, I live up in the bush, as everybody knows, and uh, I seen Canadians finally emerging from their homes. Uh, and uh, I had nothing to do or didn't know anybody in a convoy. I uh, was just a citizen that uh, felt the need to go in personal, peaceful protest um, at the same time uh, that this was happening and get to know other Canadians that are not afraid to speak up. So um, with my background, I decided what I would do is just stand on Parliament Hill and in peace, in non-movement for 10 hours a day, uh, for as long as it takes to get dialogue with our government. I was not there personally to have mandates removed. I have publicly put out uh, the calls that I need and kind of the reason why I get targeted, I think, because I have been requesting documents from the government for about a decade. Uh, so, and... Um, you know, I'm suing the government six years in. I'm a government employee. I noticed uh, this TikTok scientist put a thing up there today and people are commenting, do, they, do any of these freedom people have jobs? Well, I'd like to inform you, I'm a government employee currently still. So even though uh, I uh, got sick and uh, and and this led all up to the um, massive changes that happened in our country. So uh, I was a whistleblower uh, in 2014, and it has progressed since then, I'll tell you that much. When these two federal mandates came out, I put in ATIP requests to the DOJ what is an ATIP request? Can you explain what our, that is for folks? Our access to information in Canada. So ATIP.ca or whatever. Uh, it costs access $5. Privacy, but yeah, go ahead. It costs $5. Any Canadian citizen can do it. And it is the tools that we hold our government accountable. So um, I put on August 13th of 2021, Justin Trudeau went in a live scrum and had said that he was going to bring two federal mandates. Uh, I had also recorded on June 26th of the same year from him, we will never have mandates. So I found that this was very contradictory. And uh, that's one thing that I see sometimes in people. If they contradict, then there's something wrong. So I uh, immediately, I put in an ATIP request into the uh, legal validity and path filed at the DOJ to make these legal in Canada. Now, that was in September of 2021. In uh, Access to Information, uh, you, they have to answer you within 30 days. Uh, but they're they're kind of, uh, I don't know if it's an excuse or whatever, but they're saying that they're backlogged and don't have enough money and all of this stuff. Uh, but that is our tools to hold accountability. 
So I held them. Uh, I'm tenacious. Okay. You know it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes, that's true. And uh, I back up what I say with documentation. I always have. I'm a, I'm a words guy, you know. So um, they did not. What they did was they sent me an email and they said, uh, there's two choices, extension or hold. And they sent me an email and they said, you have two hours to respond. And the uh, and I live up in the bush. I don't get my emails right away. So it will uh, the very within the hour, not even the hour up, an extension was placed of eighteen hundred and seventy five days. That is five years, folks, just to find out whether those mandates were legal. Now, the DOJ told me, that nobody has asked this, no lawyer, no government official, no investigative reporter, nobody has asked for this information in the way that I did it. Now, you know that I have uh, put these documents online, uh, you know, on my website, uh, it's up to you to put it up. Uh, and it's uh, under the tab ATIP. So I can go through all of that, but that is one of the things that could create a target, okay? Um, and uh, a few other things. So what happened is that I argued that they did not follow the ATIP Act, which is law in Canada. And in the Act, it talks about fairness and do you think it's fair if they give you a two-hour window uh, and 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 not just do whatever they wanted to do? Like, if they wouldn't have even emailed me and just put it on, I probably wouldn't have had an argument. So, because once an, an extension is placed, uh, it I, I, I don't know if it's true, but the DOJ told, or the OIC, Office of the Information Commissioner, told me that um, uh, uh, okay, so they uh, the office of the information commissioner, uh, I put a complaint in when they put the extension on, and they told me there's no reversal mm -hmm. uh, way to We're reverse them. Yeah, we're there, getting into kind of the, the nitty-gritty technicalities yeah, of the process. There's no way to reverse it. So yeah. anyways, I recorded the call with the DOJ saying that there was no way to reverse it, and I told her, I will teach you how to do it. In 10 days, I had that extension reversed. I was told I'm the only person known to have an extension reversed in Canada uh, with no lawyers and no courts. So that was a win for me. But, is, and, but Dana, is, is this why you're in court well you like, see, what are you charged with what are people, the charges people, people think that they say you know dana you're doing a lot of things and you mix it all up in together but you have to remember that everything is connected everything oh, I, I, is I get connected. that I, I understand but so that people can understand what 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 happened yeah. today this what, is just are one the, what are the charge what are you charged with so what i did was uh when i went to ottawa I stood on Parliament Hill. 
I moved down because I seen a lot of jokers dancing around in front of the trucks. And I decided to stand where the police directed to me to uh, on Wellington Street. Mm-hmm. And it was deemed a legal protest. Remember that. Uh, so I stood in, I, I went purposely in the most peaceful form I could, not breaking any laws, because I knew that uh, shenanigans were going to happen. So I wanted to uh, protect myself and protect Canadians uh, by holding them to account if anything happened. So I wore cameras on my head and everything. And there's, there's, uh, 45 hours of footage. Nobody has seen because I can't. But again, what are you charged with? I am getting to that. Sorry. I don't don't mean to, you know, four charges charges of mischief. One is disobeying a court order, but it doesn't specify which one. Um, Mischief, uh, um, resisting arrest, which is absolutely false because my arrest was videoed in in every angle possible, and I asked to leave. Uh, one is just called mischief, but they're saying that because of uh, this emergencies act, that um, I was warned of this emergency act, but there is absolutely no proof that I was warned or told to leave the area. There is no proof of that. So I stood up and I said, well, I'm gonna hold you to account. I'll take it to trial. They offered me several deals, sir, several deals. And uh, I am not guilty. I maintain my innocence and I maintain that protesting is a healthy democracy. Okay. So, uh, so that makes sense. That all makes sense as to where we're at. So, what yeah. happened in court today? What what? Um, uh, when what I got there, I was on two different dockets uh, at ten a.m. And then they said, "No, forget that one. You're on this one, courtroom one." I go in, and uh, uh, they don't have a judge to do my trial. So they've had two years to prepare. I had to be prepared by today. If I wasn't prepared by today, there'd be a warrant for my arrest. Okay. So I showed up prepared with a fantastic lawyer. And uh, she did absolutely wonderful today. So uh, they said, there's no judge. We're going to have to remand and see if we can get one this afternoon. So I get called back into court at 2 p.m. And uh, we get there. There's still no judge to start my trial. So my trial has not started yet. But my lawyer uh, argued that uh, I should have the travel restrictions removed. There were two travel restrictions on me. One is to not be within one kilometer of any parliamentary district building. And the other one is a red zone, they call it. Uh, uh, Bronson to the Queensway, bunch of garbage. Uh, So I haven't broken my uh, conditions or anything. 
Uh, and uh, I've been a good citizen always, no criminal record, you know, uh, lots of good things. Um, and I want to stand on that. I want to stand on that merit. Sure. So did they lift they lifted the travel restriction today? Well, uh, it's all in court, so I can talk about it. It's very funny. They made an agreement with my lawyer to lift the two restrictions. But when they stood up and went to talk to the judge, they said, we'd like to we, we agree to lift these two uh, restrictions, but we want to add one that he can't go on Wellington Street. And my lawyer stood up and said, uh, Dana Lee needs to be in the downtown area for this case. And we have agreed to remove the restrictions already. You can't add one now. And uh, so the judge agreed and said, no, I think she's correct. So do you uh, accept on removing these restrictions, not just for the time of court, but absolute removing them. So uh, they reluctantly said yes. So that was a win for me because I was born in Ottawa and it has uh, really peeved me off that I cannot do my peaceful protest at a time when it's really, really needed on our Parliament Hill. At a time when we need to have dialogue and we need uh, to have civil dialogue. And, uh, you know, the uh, before any Canadian reached Ottawa during that time, they were all demonized and everything. And um, a lot of things came out of it, like uh, slang words that the... Uh, the prime minister put on us, but that was adopted. And I didn't really agree with it. I don't like to use his language. So, you know, uh, people might call me a bit stringent, but they're not seeing the big picture on not using vulgarity, not using all of these things that they will use against you. Right. And um, it's funny because the freedom uh, kind of family has used that against me for saying that I don't like it. Uh, and so it's a two-way, it, it's a very tricky thing that we're trying to do here on holding accountability on uh, my voice. I've always tried to reach all Canadians, all humans. And uh, that that's the point of, of being Peaceman. Uh, I did not name myself Peaceman. It happened live on a show on live from the shed with 20,000 people watching that they came up with that name. So, cause there was a, there was a lot of different names people were calling me at first. So we had to nail it down, right? People call <laughs> me a name, lot of names too. So my name is Dana hyphen Lee <laughs> and I decided to go with peace hyphen man. Mm -hmm. And it all made sense. So, uh, and recently, luckily enough, nobody took that name on Facebook, and I was able to grab it just a few weeks ago. Good for you. Good for you. So, so that those restrictions lifted, but your trial didn't start today. So when will you be back in court? Tomorrow? Will it commence tomorrow? 
Yeah, I'll tell you, right after I left that courtroom, which was remanded till tomorrow morning at 10 a.m., courtroom one, um, I could use some support from Canadians. Sure. <laughs> but the first thing I did, Rick, after I was done that today, was I took a walk downtown. And I walked up to Parliament Hill, and I recorded a two-minute video. And uh, it explains very well uh, uh you know my feelings and uh that's posted on my twitter my facebook's and on youtube okay. uh so um tomorrow we go and it's funny because in um nobody was reporting my my case like court reporters or anything like that so what I did was I was doing it myself on my media and I, uh, um, I was never a media guy before I was for my pictures. Like I'm a photographer all my life. So, uh, my pictures were very, very popular before Peaceman. I have 7.4 million views or something like that. And that's no small number. I worked hard at that. Mm -hmm. So, um so some of those are kind of intertwined with what i do now and i appreciate that because if i didn't have that um I, it would be very hard for me to have support because of what has transpired over this two years remember the process is the punishment yes that's very true that is the way they do it so how can people support you? Because I know that what it really comes down to, as in so many cases involving freedom fighters or people who are at the convoy or charged in, in other events and so on, standing up for um, constitutional rights and freedoms, uh, you, you've got to cover legal bills, right? So how can Absolutely. people support you, Dana? Uh, so there is a poster on all of my media that uh shows um uh yeah that one that shows a uh trust has been set up directly to my lawyer i received no money um i will tell you exactly how much is in there and it uh we only started this a couple weeks ago because i thought i was covered that's a whole different story we're gonna have to get into it another time after this court case sure. uh, but now I need to uh, uh, try to protect myself here a little bit. Uh, so this is a email to my lawyer, and she has collected seventeen hundred dollars out of twenty-five thousand. Okay, so and her email is monic at grenierlaw dot ca. So I'm going to put that up on. Uh, the screen uh, here in a moment as soon as i can type it out and that's for e-transfers to password peaceman password peaceman okay so monic at grenier law monique and is, she's is a beautiful lawyer she's she is very uh uh I mean, I think she won top lawyer in Ottawa or most 
most liked lawyer in Ottawa two years in a row. <laughs> to type that out for everybody. Monica at grenyelaw.ca. So, yeah, and then the I, I do again? have to say thank you. Yeah, no problem. The password again was what, Peace Man? Yeah, Capitals. Okay. Um, I have to thank, there's about five people that also, um, it's expensive to come and stay in the city uh, and do all of this. So I needed some personal help. And about five people came together and really helped for this week. Uh, but there's going to be more help required, unfortunately. I'm not very good at asking for help, but right now is the time to ask for help. I understand. Lawyers are expensive. They're getting rich on uh, <laughs> on the backs of, uh, of people who are standing up for Canadians. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. That's unfortunate, but that's the reality and that's the process we have to go through. So... Um, Monic at grenierlaw.ca, password Peaceman, if you would like to support Dana Lee Peaceman at, uh, as he and makes his way through the courts over the next few days here, he's got a $25,000 legal fee to cover approximately. And uh, um, I also have put in a uh, challenge to the charges uh, that I I won't talk much about it. I'll just tell you that there is a challenge uh, that um, alleges that the arrest was arrest, detainment, search, and seizure were all illegally done. They did not follow the law. So that's what will be dealt with over the next, I guess, probably now this will go on for at least another four days, right? Because it was scheduled to go for four and it kind of was a misfire today. So we'll get started uh, tomorrow. I've been informed that it could go on longer if I hold my ground. So uh, I don't see myself uh, um, admitting guilt in any way in this. I do not see that happening. Um, the deals that they have offered to me, there's still an admission of guilt in every one of them. And, uh, that doesn't help anybody, uh, hold accountability. Are you and allowed yes, to reveal the details of these deals that they offered you? There is uh, yes, because, uh, I do believe that they were publicized. Let me think about that for one second. Um, no, we're not going to talk about it. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. If in doubt, don't don't say anything. Yeah. Don't they, make uh, anything worse, right? So. They, they they all came with an admission of guilt of some sort. So I I refuse to take that. I understand because there is no evidence to this guilt that they say. Uh, 
um, in two years, I got to review my disclosure, right? And uh, two days before court, they did a late disclosure, a large late disclosure. Mm -hmm. And uh, personally, I'd like to get all of that evidence thrown out because of if it is an illegal charge, then any evidence is inadmissible. Can I can I ask you what you, you, you've indicated that a lot of people within the, the freedom movement have actually been putting up some resistance or friction and any explanation as to, to why that is happening? I, I can give a simple explanation, uh, Rick. Uh, in these times in our world right now, uh, we have globalists trying to do things and, and stuff like that. And they have planned to destroy any citizen-led movement. That's If you're going to take over the world, you're going to plan to destroy whatever can stop you. So um, I love everybody in Canada that stood up for good reason. And uh, I tried to show that over the last two years by standing in truth, by calling out some bad behavior I seen. You see, in the Freedom Family and in the other side, it doesn't matter what side you're on. If you call out bad behavior, you're the divisive one. Mm -hmm. uh, so I have—I I don't need to prove myself to anybody. I have treated everybody with respect until they didn't do the same. I also trust everybody I meet immediately until I can't trust them. That's the way I live my life. And I'm not going to let people change my being under forked tongue. So, you know, I, there's a saying I like to say, Rick, internal faith is shown by external actions. Okay? So there's a lot of faith-based people as well. And I love everybody. Uh, but I have internal faith. And I show it in my actions. Now, some people don't like those actions. Like I said, even just saying that I don't like a vulgar flag. Oh, well, then you're not with us. You know, that's false. You're fighting for rights and freedoms. Uh, just because I say things like that, or um, I don't want anybody else to speak for me. That is a big, big part of it. And when we went to Ottawa, it was the citizens Okay, so I said, I asked one question, and it's just taboo to ask this question, so you can find it out. You, It's out there, but I'm not going to do it on a show. I'm not going to get uh, into stuff like that, because that's exactly what they want. And I don't play those games. Yeah, I'm very straightforward. Yep, it's it it's it's odd. You know, I've, I've experienced it myself. You stand up, you try to do the right thing and and advocate for moral things proper things you know the difference between right and wrong and if you want to do the right thing you you're you're the one that's the problem it it, it makes no sense but i totally understand what you're saying i've been there yeah, yeah. and it was never uh my intention to attack anybody yeah. i literally actually you know more than some 
that I was just trying to protect myself. And actually, you did a show to help protect me, but it backfired because they use everything they can against you. And you've had to remove that. Imagine a reporter having to remove his stuff because the attacks are so bad. Yeah, well, it uh, it did the job at the time and well, doesn't need to stay up. So kind of what, yeah, I know what you're saying. Anyway, we don't want to get into all of that stuff no, tonight. It's I, um, you know, I uh, I have no um, regrets on uh, how I've conducted myself, and uh, I have honestly, uh, when I made the Peace Man uh, Facebook just a few weeks ago. Um, there's now uh, at least almost 3,000 people in there. So I don't uh, need, uh, I did ask every media on both sides uh, if they would try to bring some awareness as they're fighting for everybody, but it uh, it was refused. It was outright refused or not even answered. So that's just the truth. And I don't feel it's very fair because we're here to listen to each other. We we're asking for accountability from our government. Are we not? We are. Yes. So we got to do that as well with each other. And uh, civil conversation goes a long way. Yes, sir. Sure does. Well, Dan, I guess, you know, we've kind of covered the, the main things tonight, especially since the trial didn't actually start. So, um, we can probably wrap it up here at this point. And I mean, I'd love to have you on every night uh, while your trial goes on, if you're available and we can keep people updated and, uh, um, and informed. And again, I'll just put that banner up one more time. It could and really you guys, help, Rick. Yeah, and, and I appreciate anybody, it. Yeah, and if anybody can or wants to support Peace Man, you can donate to him through his lawyer at monic at grenierlaw.ca. Make sure you use the password PeaceMan. Otherwise, they will not be able to complete that e-transfer process. Gotta, you have to do the security question and make sure you put in the word PeaceMan for the answer to the question. And then they can complete the transaction. So, uh, Also, I'd like to mention that Adopt-A-Trucker has also done a couple fundraisers for me. And uh, uh, he is still collecting. Uh, so if you're on Twitter and you know Adopted Trucker, uh, he will make sure that that money helps me cover your legal bills, hopefully. No, to, to, to help me personally travel and right. everything else. Right, to cover your expenses as you go through this. So there you go. Anything yeah. else you'd like to add tonight, uh, Dana, before we sign off? Uh, I just want to thank everybody uh, that stood up and uh, still standing up in their truth. And uh, if you do not exercise your rights and freedoms, you will lose them. It's fact. And I love you all. And peace. All right. Dana Lee, peace, man. We'll check in with you again tomorrow night, sir. Special broadcast tomorrow night, by the way. We're doing a thing about um, free free speech. Uh, sort of an in-depth discussion on that tomorrow night. So I will send you an email and let you know what time would be optimal for you to come on and share your news of the day. 
And uh, we'll catch up with you on the flip side tomorrow evening. Thank you, Dana. Absolutely. You have a good night, Rick. You too. Dana Lee Melfi, peace man. And we will reconvene with him tomorrow night. Don't go away. Be right back after this. Greetings, brave mavericks. Our quest for truth continues. We go beyond fake news. Together we expose propaganda. Together we pull others out of rabbit holes. We are maverick thinkers. We are all unique individuals, individuals, defenders of individual rights and freedoms. Credible, trusted, grounded in reality. Maverick News, Maverick News. Defending free speech, free speech, speech. Donate at freedomreporters.com. Do it now. Tomorrow. Maybe too late. Too late. Too late. Too late. Maverick News. The world is watching. Okay. I just wanted to, there's a story that uh, is out there tonight about uh, the government's response to the pandemic. And it highlights for me the, the truth behind the challenge that Canadians will face heading into this next election and the challenge that we are all facing as we pursue truth in general because there are two still diametrically opposed viewpoints on major issues almost all major issues right now and case in point and maybe most important covid vaccines lockdowns mandates What is the truth? Here's the story I'm, I'm referring to, and I'm, I, I'm going to elaborate on this because it, it's important. It's important because we are all living in a bubble, our own little bubbles. We're being fed information to reinforce our bias on all sides. Look at this, and this illustrates my point. Canadian study finds COVID measures were effective in reducing cases hospitalizations, mortality rate. Now, I have my own take on how effective government, um, the government response to the pandemic was. As you know, I never, I didn't uh, go for the Kool-Aid, still haven't, I won't. That's my personal choice. For me, that's really what it's about. It's about personal choice. Freedom to choose. A lot of Canadians did go for the Kool-Aid. I think uh, just about everybody in my family, except me, went and got Kool-Aid. Except somebody close to me, and I don't want to talk about somebody else's personal medical situation. That's up to them. So I'm not going to reveal anyone's status here without their permission. Um 
although I guess I just did, didn't I? Inadvertently, nevertheless. There is somebody who didn't, and so now you don't know which one, so you don't know who did what. Um, <laughs> but here's the point. Here's a story, and a lot of, you know, a, a lot of Canadians, probably at least half, believe this, and they'll believe this survey study. This is a global news reporting this. This is a study out of Quebec aimed at countering online misinformation, which would be the information that the majority of us here probably are exposed to and believe. Countering online misinformation reveals that health measures taken by governments in connection with COVID-19 helped reduce hospital admissions and the number of cases of the virus back in 2020. So this is a study published in 2023 in the American Journal of Preventive Medicine. Assistant professor in the Department of Supply Chain Management and Business Technology at the John Molson School of Business and James Peters doctoral student at Concordia University argue that measures put in place by government around the world during the first wave of the COVID-19 pandemic were generally effective, it says here, in mitigating the impact of the health consequences of COVID-19. It goes on and says that 10 non-pharmaceutical measures put in place between January and June 2020 were analyzed, such as face covering, school and business closures, social distancing and travel restrictions. The research consisted of a systematic review incorporating quantitative data from 44 studies around the world. You see where this is going. You see what it's about. They're defending what governments did, and they're saying they were effective Research results. The researchers' results show that wearing a mask led to a reduction of 2.76 cases per 100,000 people and a 0.19% reduction in the mortality rate worldwide. Nah. Uh, okay. I think there are other, there's other research out there maybe to refute that, but whatever. This is what they're putting out. You see how divisive this stuff is. Travel restrictions reduced the rate of increase in the number of cases by 10% and school closures by 8%. I don't even know how they come up with these numbers, how they figure this out. But what's the methodology here? I don't know. He says here for Peters, the most surprising result of the study is the time between the announcement of a health measure and its concrete effects. For example, he says here, we found that containment measures led to a reduction of 2.9 cases of COVID per 100,000 people, but these effects were not observed until four weeks after they were implemented. Hmm. That's negligible, if it's even real. But anyway, that's what they're claiming. Countering misinformation, it goes on. The research launched in 2022 is quote, in response to existing misinformation about health on social networks. It is crucial to raise public awareness of the prevalence of health-related misinformation, and it is important to understand that we need to provide the public with the means to be able to assess the quality of the health information they receive on social networks. And they are now conducting additional research into the quality of health information on Network X, formerly known as Twitter, Twitter. So I draw your attention to it because 
I went to, I, w- I was at a place to get some medical tests done uh, last week. And the technician, I won't tell you who, I won't use a name, I won't even tell you where, because I don't want to get anybody into trouble, but we just had a pleasant conversation. And this technician seemed pretty level-headed, open-minded, but clearly was on the other side of the spectrum in terms of what this person believes when it comes to the pandemic, politically, and so on, but tolerant. Indicated that their children, two kids at home, believed that conservatives, freedom-oriented people, are crazy and evil. That's what I was told. That's what this person said, how they described how their kids view basically us, you, okay? I think I'm pretty moderate. I don't, I don't think I'm extreme. Others may disagree. It depends on your political perspective. I find, though, that people on the other side, even in conversations I've had recently with people, even when I'm sitting there agreeing with them on some points, they still are argumentative. It's like they're not even listening to what I'm saying. When I'm agreeing on points, they, they still have it in their head that I have to be opposed and they're, they continue to disagree with me even when I'm agreeing with them. It's the strangest thing. And it's just become glaringly obvious to me that it's because people are being fed information through social media to simply reinforce their bias. And even though people think that they are thinking critically on whatever side they happen to be on, they're really just receiving information to reinforce whatever it is they already think. Unless you are really super actively seeking out information from other sources to that, that, contradicts specifically what you are saying or challenges what you are saying, you're not going to find it. It's not going to come to you. You're going to get fed information over and over again to just reinforce what you already think. And as a result of that, um, it's resulting in such polarization, such extremism on both sides, all sides. It's not even just two sides that people are fighting and they are being convinced that they are right and that the other side is nuts. And it's like there are like, it's, it's creating basically two worlds. That's what was going on with the convoy too at the time. And I'm seeing it in all these demonstrations as well. It's like, you're either here or you're here. And like I've been saying, it's almost like there, it is, it's like there are two truths or maybe multiple truths because there's some truth in everybody's perspective on things political and even some things that are tangible and demonstrably real, real events that people are participating in, demonstrations and so on. Because it's not all just black and white. There are 
different events happening and different people are at events for different reasons. We just spoke with Peace Man. He just went on his own, says he was not there as part of the convoy, was simply there as an individual who went up to see what was going on and was demonstrating in his own way for his own reasons, not associated with any association or group or political movement or anything like that, just there on his own. So that's his perspective. You know, if you move to the left, you see things a little bit like that. And if you move two steps to the right, you see things from a different angle. You're seeing things differently. That's why even when you're at a UFC fight, like we just saw last week, right? This judge thinks that Duplessis won. This guy thinks that Strickland won. This guy over here, John, thinks the whole thing was rigged. <laughs> Could be, man. I don't know. But you see all these perspectives and, well, what's the truth? Well, maybe there's some truth there. Maybe there's some truth there. You could look at it that way. There's perspective. And maybe it was rigged. And maybe there is proof of that. Maybe that could come out. And who knows? It's the same thing with a protest. Maybe this person is there for, you know, very noble reasons and is entirely peaceful. But some guy around the corner or three blocks up is doing something that's illegal and you're not even aware, but you're observing all the people around you and everybody is totally peaceful. Or as you're seeing here with this study, they are trying to reinforce this idea that government was there to protect you and everything they did helped. And if you're of that mindset, it's just reinforcing what you believe. And you believe that the government took care of us and gee, wasn't that great. And I've heard on CBC radio as well, that same kind of rhetoric, that same kind of talk uh, over the past couple of years, you know, the government, well, from the beginning of the pandemic, really, where the government's measures are all very effective. And isn't it great that the, that that was done? And so I think even though a lot of that trust and confidence and belief that the, what the government did is being eroded to some degree and people on more of the freedom side of things, I think, have gained some ground in that regard in real terms although maybe not in cohesiveness or unity of movement. I think you're, you're, as Dana also alluded to, there's a lot of division and whatever is left of what the freedom movement was, there is um, a lot of uh, dysfunctionality there, but still something tangible, something real still happening. Point is... You know, as I sit and talk to friends or even sometimes relatives who have the opposing point of view, it's very difficult to even have a conversation because they are so um, set in their ways. I guess I'm set in mine too. I'm trying, I try to be open and as unbiased and as neutral as I possibly can be so that I can entertain other ideas, explore other ideas. I think I'm pretty fair. I have people on the program all the time with totally oppose, opposing political points of view. And I, uh, I give people the opportunity to talk about those things, whether I agree or if I don't. And I do often find common ground with people who I'm politically, you know, um, opposed to really in a friendly way. Although not always, <laughs> I guess, uh, Point is, as we go into this next election, don't think it's going to be an easy, an easy thing. It's going to get ugly.
certainly you're going to see that in the United States. Joe Biden using words like extremists, extreme Republicans, extremists, MAGA, blah, blah, blah. Same thing's going to be happening up here in Canada. It's already started. Polls like that actually help fuel that as well. And you will see other polls that are going to be specifically designed to do exactly that, drive a wedge in that Trudeau can use as a political wedge. They will also use tax dollars to commission those polls with loaded questions to get a predetermined outcome that is political in nature. It's going to get nasty. And it's not, it's not going to be a walk in the park, even though Pierre Polyev is riding high in the polls and you're seeing some pushback against Trudeau, even from within his own party. And now even the woke left-wing mainstream media, where they're talking about polling, where Trudeau seems to be on the verge of actually falling back behind Jagmeet Singh in terms of popularity. And that poll tonight showing that li even liberals don't really want, but they're holding their nose basically and voting for him anyway, not because they want Justin Trudeau, but because they want to keep Pierre Polyev out. And on the U.S. side, I think it's much the same thing. I think a lot of Democrats probably would prefer not to vote for Biden. They'd rather have somebody else, but he's going to be the guy. So they're going to hold their nose down there, too, and vote for him. And probably, largely, not because they want Biden, but because they want to prevent Trump from becoming the next president. Again, same kind of scenario. It's not even that they're picking the lesser of two evils or, you know, dealing with the devil they... They know rather than the devil they don't is that they don't want this guy and they don't really want that guy, but they're voting against that guy. They vote. It's, it's a strange thing. And actually maybe when you have a candidate like Joe Biden, that's the best way to promote a candidate anyway, or a Justin Trudeau, both of whom are unwilling or maybe even being, you know, unwilling to step aside or maybe even being told by their handlers who are up above them that they have to stay on because they're the ones that uh, they can be controlled. Who knows? Conspiracy theories. I don't even like that word sometimes, you know, conspiracy theory. I think Ben Shapiro, when he was using the idea of conspiracy related to the subject matter that he was talking about, anti-Semitism and so on. And the, uh, the idea that the worldwide cabal is a bunch of Jews controlling everything, blah, blah, blah. I don't think that uh, conspiracy is even, even the right word for that. I think that, you know, it's, it's basically cliche and anti a bunch of anti-Semitic tropes. It's not, uh, not really necessarily a conspiracy. It's just untruths, distortions, propaganda. People should be asking themselves, really, why are we being fed this stuff? I have my own thoughts. It's political. It's international in origin. And they're ramping it up because, well, well, we'll get into more nitty-gritty details on it, but the propaganda is flowing from other countries internationally, even domestically.
for a variety of reasons. But I'll tell you this, the opponents of Israel, the opponents of the United States, those who do, are opposed to capitalism, they want Israel gone because if Israel is gone, it will give other, it will create a vacuum and other countries will be able to move in there and assert influence in the Middle East without the dominance of the United States. It will undermine Western economies all the way around the world. It will unseat the United States as the dominant political and economic force on the planet. Say goodbye to your standard of living if that happens. Probably going to happen anyway to some degree, largely because of the, uh, the way that the U.S. dollar is going to be unseated as the world reserve currency. These are all intertwined. If you think that this whole thing is really just about this thing in Israel and Gaza is really just about religion or if it's just about Israel, it's not. This is a geopolitical conflict unfolding with the two superpowers facing off against each other. Well, not just two superpowers now. It's a multipolar geopolitical reality with Russia, China, India, Iran, United States, Israel, all these nuclear powers, North Korea. And they all have their own political interests in the Middle East. The thing about these other countries, though, is countries where they impose censorship, isn't it interesting how you don't really hear too much about things like, oh, they're colonialist settlers too, but you know what? All these countries, honestly, every country engages to some degree or another, one degree or another, some sort of expansionist activity, especially if they're a superpower, and they exert their influence in other jurisdictions, in other countries, through other countries in a variety of ways, and sometimes not in the, the most um, cordial of ways. It is not just the United States where, you know, I think the U.S. just takes it on the chin all the time anymore. And, uh, yeah, you know, some of it's justified, of course, but a lot of it um, goes without holding other countries accountable for their actions either. And the truth of the matter is every nation state really just, you know, acts within its own national interests, ultimately, unless, of course, you're a globalist, in which case you are ready to hand over the sovereignty of your nation to a, uh, you know, a, a globalist entity, a one world government, I suppose, to some degree. And that is, again, to some degree happening. But Putin, very clear that. He's acting simply in the national interests of his country. And he is powerful. And if you are a political opponent of his, I would not want to cross him. I wouldn't want to be a political opponent of Vladimir Putin's, especially if you are Russian and living in Russia. You don't want to be opposed to that guy. Uh, you see what happens to his political opponents, and it's not pretty. And I think people here in the West kind of forget that if uh, the kinds of, and you know, we see some bad things happening to the opponents of the Clintons too, don't we? But at least here, <clears throat> uh, you do hear a little bit more about it. You hear about it over there too, but not in quite the same way. You see what I'm saying? It's like, um, if information is suppressed, people aren't aware and then governments aren't held accountable because you don't know. 
the thing about living here in the West is we do still have some degree of free speech. And so all the terrible crap that comes out about government, that's all because there is a lot of free speech still, even though it's under fire and there is increasing censorship. I will take the chaos. I will take the, uh, the conflict that is coming with all of this, the turmoil, even the instability, because it tells me that people are still allowed to talk about all these negative things. And, uh, even that documentary, which is new, but refocusing on the past so that I guess we can relitigate World War II for whatever value there is in that, which I think is unwise. But anyway, so be it. I mean, there is value in truth, but um, there's truth and then there's propaganda. And we can get into that more again tomorrow night. I just... I just, I'll take the chaos because it tells me that we're still in at least a semi-free, still have some freedom in this society because you're allowed to make a video like that and not go to jail. You can make a video totally criticizing the government and saying, look at the terrible things that this government did and you don't go to jail. But before, you know, even the mid-1980s, a lot of information about World War II and the activities of the communist government under Joseph Stalin in Russia, a lot of that information was suppressed, not available. People didn't even know a lot about what happened. And even that information in that documentary about the bombings in Germany, a lot of that, again, not really wasn't really available until sometime in the mid-1980s when a lot of that stuff came out, but it came out. But the reason it was suppressed was because a lot of that information um, in some, in a lot of cases, it was being kept secret by Eastern Bloc countries because of their activities and what they were doing and how they were participating in a lot of things. And that's because of censorship that was imposed there. And there is still censorship in a lot of countries today. Make no mistake about that. And so when you're not hearing about things, it, it's off. It, the, I guess what I'm saying is, again, you know, when it comes to news, it isn't just what they tell you that you need to worry about. It's what they don't tell you. That's why censorship is so darn effective. And you need to be very aware of that. The problem is when they don't tell you or you don't know, you don't know. So you don't know a lot of the bad things that happen in some other countries where there is censorship because the information never actually comes out. And the information that is coming out is generally government controlled. Justin Trudeau loves that idea. And he's trying to, I think, establish that kind of uh, system here, largely through a variety of means. We have to stop that. Give me the chaos, man. I think Elon Musk had it right today when he said that... Um, during World War II and the Holocaust, if social media had existed back then, it would have been impossible to keep the activities of Nazi Germany and what they were doing to the Jews a secret at the time. Maybe. On the other hand, here we are. And I just showed you that we have two completely different stories out there about what happened during the pandemic and how effective the government measures were with one side convinced that 
people are dying all over the world for you know why. Um, and the other side convinced that the government has protected us and kept us safe. And it was best thing ever. <laughs> it's like two completely opposing points of view. And that is also because of social media. So I don't know. I'm hoping that as we work our way through this, the truth, the real truth comes out. But I'm also seeing that it is so easy to, to, to undermine truth simply by casting seeds of doubt. Just watching how it's done. Tomorrow night, we're going to dig into all of this in a more in-depth and I hope meaningful way, a helpful way for everyone as we engage in a, in a broader discussion on free speech. Can have um, you know a fairly lengthy discussion on it. I, I uh, I'm looking forward to it. And um, Gail Robertson will join us, I think, tomorrow night, if everything comes together. A longtime veteran journalist, a former newspaper reporter, now an independent podcaster like myself. Um, very smart person. And uh, I'll see if maybe we can get uh, some other input from some other media types tomorrow night. And we might even have some time to open the phones or give you guys access to the show through video links as we often do here on the Maverick News Channel so that you can join the conversation tomorrow night here on the Maverick News Channel. Now, once again, if you are inclined to support what we do, you can donate at maverickdonations.com. That's the Gibson Go account or at freedomreporters.com. And again, we have these shirts. So any donation of $60 or more, rather the SST or the um, Maverick News shirt, which most of you will want, I'll send you a shirt, long sleeve, dicky shirt with embroidery, just like this, long sleeve ones. Just tell me what size you want, and you can have it in any color you want, as long as it is black. And I will be back tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Love all you guys. Really appreciate you spending the time with me here tonight. An absolute privilege. And I will see you all on the flip side. This has been a Maverick Multimedia Productions.